Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Wednesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a Sports Ethos presentation, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. Now, specifically, go ahead and check out EthosFantasyBB. That's where all of our new podcasts, articles, and all of our baseball and fantasy baseball content in general will be posted throughout the rest of the offseason and heading into next year as well. So make sure you drop them a follow there. And also check out all of our other work at SportsEthos.com. All four major sports coverage. We have fantasy coverage, obviously, wagering. We got it all. Go check it out at SportsEthos.com. We're going to be doing another new show today. It's kind of been the theme these last couple of weeks. If you guys have been listening every single day, I appreciate those of you who do very much. Uh, We have just been going through the breaking news every single day because the stove has been, it's going to burn the house down if it's on for any longer at this point. Pretty much all the big names have signed with the exception of two that I can think of off the top of my head. One big name went off the board last night. We're going to talk about that. And we actually had a signing just happen uh, just before I hit the record button. We had a new signing Now, apologies for getting the episode out later in the day today. I had a doctor's appointment. I had to take the dog to the vet. He's okay. No need to worry there. Uh, And it was just kind of a busy day. And there's also a part of me, I mean, I could have woken up real early and done it first thing in the morning. But I also figured the way that the deals have been happening these last couple of weeks, I might as well just give it some time. I figured we might see a couple more signings. And we did see a couple of little pieces of news uh, trickle in throughout the day. But I think it makes the most sense to start with the biggest news, the episode title. I haven't decided on it yet. I usually don't decide on an episode title until it's already done, depending on the day. Uh, But this guy's name will most likely be in the title today. Carlos Correa. 13 years, $350 million to the San Francisco Giants. That's a holy shit. That is a holy shit right off the bat. $350 million over 13 years. You have to look at this, and obviously this the show is called Fantasy MLB Today. This is a fantasy baseball podcast, but I think we have to look at it like we have with most of the deals here through a fantasy lens, of course, but also through a real-life baseball lens. And for a fantasy perspective, it's not great. Like I've never been a huge Carlos Correa guy for fantasy. Shortstop is always a very deep position. Correa's always had injury trouble, and honestly, even when he was, you know, I mean, he's still in his prime, I guess you could say. He's 28 years old. I just turned 28, so he hasn't even, he's just finished his age 27 season. He's still in his prime, but I, even when he was having, you know, pretty solid seasons there uh, in Houston, I was never a huge fan of his for fantasy purposes. Obviously, 2017 kind of puts a sour taste in the mouth always with regards to a lot of those guys who were on the team. Carlos Correa, no exception, obviously, but, you know, keeping that aside, just from what he's done on the, on the court, I was about to say, mixing up my basketball and baseball, on the field, 
he hasn't been that great. Like, he is a great real-life baseball player, more so than he is a great fantasy player. And the things he does, yes, like elite, elite defense. Uh, if you look at his defensive metrics over the last, you know, his whole career, really, fantastic. 70 career defensive runs saved, 23 outs above average. This year, he was actually negative three outs above average. Uh, he dealt with some injury trouble throughout the season, so I won't hold that against him. He's still an elite uh, defensive shortstop. I'm actually blanking on how many gold gloves he has? It might only be one or two, actually. Let me see. Um, how many gold gloves does he have? Surprisingly, only one. One in 2021. Uh, but he is widely regarded as one of, if not the best, defensive shortstops in the game. Right right up there at the top. So, from a real-life baseball perspective, San Francisco's putrid defense definitely got a lot better. Their lineup also gets a little bit better. And, you know, they're, they've been making moves here every single day. Uh, you know, we talked about Manaya, we talked about Stripling, we've talked about Mitch Haniger. This is this is the biggest move that they've made. This is a big improvement in their lineup. As much as I'm not a huge Korea guy for fantasy, real life, he is, you know, a two, what is he for his career? A 279 hitter. Uh, he's going to average close to 20 home runs a season. He's not a big base dealer, but, you know, good home run totals, good batting average. Slotting into the middle of that lineup is another great addition. Now, if you look at the top of the lineup and really the entirety of it, it's looking pretty damn good. Uh, Tyro Estrada, Mike Yastrzemski, Carlos Correa, Jock Peterson, Mitch Hanniger. When we got Brandon Crawford, J.D. Davis, uh, Lamont Wade, not the greatest there, and then Joey Bart, obviously. It's pretty damn good. Like, I don't think that they're going to be making that much noise. But, you know, we said yesterday they could be like an 85-ish win team. I think Correa can definitely add a couple of wins there. Obviously, you don't look at the war and add whatever the guy's war is. It doesn't work directly like that, but... Could he make an 85-win team closer to a 90-win team? Yeah, I think he could. Now, in terms of fantasy, in real life, great move for the Giants. You have to overpay, right? That's just been the theme of the offseason. Not so much on an annual average value basis, but in terms of the years and the total value. Like, if we're looking at you know him compared to Trey Turner, I would much rather take Trey Turner. I would much rather take Xander Bogarts personally. And we're talking fantasy here. We're talking fantasy. And I, I, get, I do kind of mix them up in my head at the same time. Like real life, I, I guess I'd probably order them Turner, Correa, and then Bogarts, and then fantasy, Turner, Bogarts, Correa. I think I'm a little more confident in what Bogarts can do uh, in San Diego. But real life, teams have had to pay out of their, out of their rear ends in terms of total years. Uh, we got three shortstops all signed until they're going to be 41 years old. Turner... Correa and Bogarts are not going to live up to those contracts, but you have to give them out, obviously, to entice them to come to your organization. That much we've kind of grown to understand this year. Uh, you know, I've, there was some fact, there was a tweet or something about how, uh, I forget where I heard it now, about the number of players signing 10-plus year contracts with a different organization, you know, leaving that not, we're talking about like Mike Trouts and Fernando Tatis, is, you know, we're talking about guys who have left their organizations. We've seen like four of them this year already. Uh, you know, I don't have the list of all the free agent signings in front of me, but we are seeing a lot of money, a lot of term given out to players who won't be able to live up to the deal. In the short term, you have to do it if you want to be competitive. They needed a shortstop, you know, to fill in for Brandon Crawford. He's going to be 36 years old. He's their face of the franchise, shortstop of the future. They needed to do it. Now, let's look at it from a fantasy point of view. Carlos Correa has never been a huge run scorer. He just, he just never has. Uh, you know, even when he was on a, the great, one of the best teams in baseball, you know, probably the best team in baseball, a dynasty in Houston there, uh, he topped out at 104 runs one time. It was the only time he ever touched the 100-run mark. <clears throat> and if we go year in, year out, 
And yes, he's missed a lot of time with injury, but that's also something that you have to factor in when you're looking at a player. Uh, look at his run totals throughout his career. 52, 76, 82, 60, 42, exclude 2020 because that doesn't really count, 104, and then 70. Now, the games played are 99, 153, 109, 110, 75. He's missing games here and there. But, you know, 153 games in 2016 with the Astros, 76 runs, uh, 148 games. Last year, he did have 104 runs and 92 RBIs, but that was the peak for him in the best lineup that they had put together, arguably, throughout that period. Uh, I mean, you can split hairs about which year of the Astros was the best. Uh, It's honestly hard to say. But once you added Jordan Alvarez into that mix, excuse me, guys, once you added Jordan into that mix, uh, then you're really looking at probably the best iteration of that Astros lineup with Correa. And now you want to argue Correa or Jeremy Pena offensively. It's pretty much splitting hairs. Correa, better baseball player overall. But we're looking at a fantastic lineup here in Houston that he'd been in for years, and he was never a massive counting stats guy. Then the runs, like we said, typically, in the, and they varied quite a bit as that his game is played. But he's not averaging, if I go to baseball reference, they actually tell you the 162-game average, which will be quite a bit higher because he doesn't play 162. Uh, It's 93 runs, over 162 games. That was what he would average if he played a full season, which he he doesn't do. Like, he's never played more than 150 games other than 2016. Since then, uh, substantially less, 2021. It was was pretty much on the field most of the year, but he's always missing some time. So that's something we have to factor in. Even when he's out there, he's a good uh, you know, counting stat guy. He's not a great counting stat guy by any means. RBIs, similar kind of story. They are a little bit, you know, a little bit of a rosier tail here. But if you look back, starting from his rookie season, 68 ribbies, 96, 84, 65, 59, 92, and this year 64. He's not going to blow you away. And in terms of the shortstops that are going above him, I like, I think all of them more. Maybe you could argue Jeremy Pena. But, I mean, he's currently, by ADP, going off the board as the 15th uh, shortstop. I think that that's totally fair. Like Looking at the guys ahead of him, I don't really see much need to push him up at all. The guys below him, I think that he is quite a bit more reliable than your guys who are going directly below him. Even Ahmed Rosario, Nico Horner, Javi Baez, Jorge Mateo, Tyro Estrada. It really kind of drops off there. Uh, in terms of shortstop eligible players, after about pick 120, then you start to see it 123, 148, 155, 177. Then it really starts to tail off uh, in terms of you know the the clutter of guys going around, you know, round whatever that is, round eight, roughly round eight. After that, it's not really that great. Like Correa is one of the last guys where you'd be pretty comfortable as a starter. Like I would still start Rosario and Horner and Baez pretty comfortably. Uh, you know, Jorge Mateo, I would start pretty comfortably still, but Correa's kind of, you know, there's like, there's a drop off after Correa for sure. So I I don't know, first of all, I I don't know that we're going to be pushing him up or down because of this signing. I think that this is probably a fairly lateral move to San Francisco. Uh, I think it's a slightly better park, but not a great park in terms of uh, hitting factors, ballpark factors. Uh, I think it's pretty, pretty good for righties from what I remember. But I don't think it's going to be a massive improvement. It's not like he's going to Great American Ballpark or anything where we should say, okay, 30 home runs from Correa are incoming, 100 ribbies and the rest of it. I don't think that this is a really that you know big of a move for fantasy rankings. I don't think that you're going to see Correa jump too far up or down the board because of this. We kind of generally know what he's going to do. We know he's going to miss some time. 
And he's going to, you know, a fairly comparable lineup when you factor in the pieces they've added into what you had in Minnesota last season. Pretty good, not great, you know, better than average, but, you know, topping out probably about 90, 95 wins would be absolute, you know, absolute ceiling for San Francisco. And even there, I think we might be pushing it a little bit. We're not looking at a great team. And I think when you look at Correa in that lineup, he should be batting third, maybe fourth, maybe second. I'm not sure how they're going to, you know, do this exactly. Roster Resource does a great job, like we've said, but they have no idea what will actually be done by Kapler when the season starts. So who knows what they will end up doing. But this looks like a pretty decent spot anyway. Uh, Not that I would move him around. It's, you know, I think it's fine. I was kind of hoping we'd see him go for fantasy purposes to, like, you know, the Dodgers, uh, a team like that maybe would have been been probably ideal. That would have been the one landing spot where you'd say, okay, push him up a little bit. Uh, Everywhere else is kind of, it's kind of just whatever. Uh, I don't really feel too strongly about this signing. We know he doesn't steal bases anymore. We know he's roughly a 270 hitter, 291 this year, uh, 279 for his career. But I think he's probably going to fall a little bit there. Maybe I'm just speculating. Maybe I'm talking out of my ass. But 291 feels a little bit high for him to maintain over the course of a whole season. Uh, he ran a 339 BABIP this year, his highest since 2017. A little bit high. Uh, I would expect that to fall a little bit. I think he's fine, and I am, I am rambling a little bit here. I do apologize. I, I like him more from a real baseball perspective than I do fantasy-wise. I'm, I'm fairly overall indifferent on, on Carlos Correa. I would still draft him as a starting shortstop. And, you know, it's probably a decent strategy to not take one of these early shortstops. If you go for a Turner or a Bobby Witt, Bo Bichette, you know, Lindor, Tatis, any of those guys, you're, you're probably going to be set. But you don't necessarily need to spend up. There are still some good shortstops going in this range, like we said, Rosario, Correa, Jeremy Pena. Uh, if you go a little bit higher up the board, Willie Adamas. There is a lot of shortstops. There's no need to rush up the board to take anyone in particular. I think you can wait a little bit on Correa here. I just think you have to realize what you're getting, which is 20 to 25 homers. Probably going to be topping out roughly 80 RBIs and 80 runs is is about as much as I would expect from him in that lineup. You know, anything more than we're probably pushing it a little bit. And it also depends on how healthy he is. But in a vacuum here, assuming he's going to miss 20, 25 games, just you know, safely, uh, conservative projection, 20, 25 games. I think we're probably going to see roughly 160 runs plus RBIs for him. Let's call it 25 homers, a 270 average, and let's call it zero steals. Maybe we'll call it one steal just for fun. I don't think that we're, you know, I don't think that that's anything that crazy, and I don't think it's that different than what we would have seen in any other location. I don't think San Francisco really gives him that much of a boost. I think it's a fine signing. Fantasy-wise, I've never really been that excited about him. But at the same time, he's going in a range where, you know, it kind of falls off after him a little bit. So if you're getting to round seven, round eight, you know, just after pick 100, of course, we're talking like 15 teamers there. And you see Carlos Correa sitting there. You still need a shortstop. Totally fine to draft him. This is not like an avoid Carlos Correa thing because I know I'm kind of, you know, I'm giving you both sides here. I like him and I don't like him at the same time. I would be fine to take him starting shortstop, corner, or middle infielder, excuse me, and I I think he'd be fine there. I don't think we should push him up too much above this. 121 feels about right. Minimum pick was 96, maximum 155 so far, and that's through 36 draft champions. Uh, No filters on the time. That's just all the DCs. I listened to Sleeper in the Bus the other day, and they were saying that there's only been one DC through December. 
hadn't checked that out in particular. We're just looking at all of them. But if there's, you know, the DCs are dying off, we kind of have to look on uh, the old data that we still have. But Carlos Correa, fine player, great player in real life, fine fantasy player. Uh, not somebody that I'm going to be really pushing up the board, though, because of this. Now, we had some news right before the pod started, and I'm kind of glad that I did wait before recording today. Just, you know, I wasn't, I had stuff to do, but I'm also glad because there is a bit of news that we had throughout the day. Noah Syndergaard going to the Los Angeles Dodgers. I don't believe we have term yet. Uh, One-year deal, actually. I believe it's a one-year deal, but I don't think we know the money side of the deal yet. Can't be too much, I guess, if I had, if I had to guess here, I'd probably say like in the 15 mil ballpark maybe i'm crazy that's roughly i haven't honestly haven't looked at any rough projections for Syndergaard based on what we've seen with the market i would say probably 15 mil now i like Syndergaard okay i think this is kind of a failure on the dodgers part though to be honest like they're a team who probably should have spent a little bit more money on pitching they should have probably you know done a little bit more as a whole this offseason their outfit is pretty thin uh their starting rotation Clayton Kershaw currently the ace, which is, which is I mean, he's Clayton Kershaw. He's a Hall of Famer. He's amazing whenever he's out there. Per inning basis, he's fantastic. But is he still an ace? Uh, yes, you know, per inning-wise. But in terms of what he's going to give you total inning-wise, it's going to be 120 innings, you know, pretty much. Then you got Julio Urias. So we pretty much know what he is, but he's also had some pretty high pitching indicators these last couple of seasons. So he could be in for some regression. Definitely could be. And then Tony Gonsolin, who is certainly in for some regression, followed by Noah Syndergaard and Dustin May. The Dodgers, this is not really their standard offseason. This is not really how they tend to do things. I would have expected them to go for one. I mean, maybe they go for Rodon still. I don't know if they'd want to have their one, two, three, all be left-handed pitchers. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. But this feels underwhelming for what we know the Dodgers to be. You'd expect... Big name free agents coming in, a big trade of some kind, and of course, it's still December. Uh, We'll likely see them do something, but the lineup is looking pretty thin, honestly, for a team that did have like the best lineup in baseball. Once you get past the top three at this point, it's terrible. It's hard to really fathom that this is what they're going to be sending out, but Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Will Smith, the top three, solid. Solid as it comes. Betts, MVP caliber player. Freeman, MVP caliber player. Will Smith, one of the best catchers in baseball. Then you got Max Muncie, Trace Thompson, Gavin Lux, Chris Taylor, Miguel Vargas, and James Outman. Now, there have been reports that they want to save a little bit on payroll and kind of develop these young guys that they have, see what they got with them. I understand that to some degree. You know, you mix one guy in, you mix another guy in here. This is a really rough-looking Dodgers. <clears throat> excuse me. This is a really rough-looking Dodgers lineup and starting rotation for their standards. I don't think this is that great of a signing for them. I mean, we'll talk about Syndergaard more in a minute. But in terms of like the actual Dodgers, what they've done this year, it's. I mean, you've got to be underwhelmed if you're a fan of the team. It's not looking great. Losing Trey Turner obviously sucks. Um, you know, that's that's the main piece here where you lose him from the lineup. Cody Bellinger as well, to a lesser extent. Uh, but the lineup looks not good. And I would expect them to make some kind of move, probably through the trade market. Because, you know, as much as they'd want to go out and, you know, see what they got with, with Miguel Vargas, with James Outman, you know, Trace Thompson in center field, it's... I think they have to make another move here. I don't think that they will be content heading into the regular season or spring training 
looking like this. I think it's a little underwhelming as a whole. And even in the bullpen, they're pretty good. But is Daniel Hudson going to you know, do what he did this year again? Eh, I don't know. He wasn't out there that much. He dealt with some injury problems. Evan Phillips can be really good. But, you know, will he do it again? I don't know. I, I don't like the way that the Dodgers team is constructed currently. I think that they're really lacking, and I think they're going to end up paying for that in terms of this season. Like, in the long run, I think they'll be fine. They'll end up spending money, whether it's this offseason or next offseason, whenever it is, like, they'll be fine long-term. But for 2023, I don't think it's looking particularly great. And when you look at Syndergaard, he's fine enough, I guess. You know, I was really bummed <clears throat> that the Blue Jays traded him all those years ago. Uh, it was a disappointing trade to trade him and Travis Darno. We got R.A. Dickey back. I mean, at the time, Dickey was coming off of a Cy Young season. He looked fantastic, but also a knuckleballer who was 38 or 39. I was, you know, young Joe was devastated at that trade. God, I forget how old I would have been, 15 or 16 or something like that when it happened. Maybe, I don't even know how old I was. I was not happy. <clears throat> and he had a first, the first three years of his career were absolutely fantastic. Four years, really. And then it all kind of fell apart in 2019. Uh, poor ERA, and you know, even his, even his advanced metrics, his fielding independent pitching was pretty poor. XERA not great. Everything started to kind of unravel for him there. And this year, it was you know not it was okay. 3.94 ERA, uh, 4.43 XERA, 3.83 FIP. He was all right. You know, 4.39 Sierra. This is this is a very middling signing for the Dodgers. I don't think that he's going to move the needle. He's a depth guy who will, again, he's been dealing with injury stuff himself. Uh, decent possibility he'll be on the shelf at some point this year as well, and then they'll have to call somebody up or make some kind of trade. This feels like a everybody else is flying off the shelf. We can't really get ourselves any other pitchers at this point. We got to go make a deal with Syndergaard. I don't think this is somebody that they came into the offseason you know, with a plan of, okay, we're going to sign Noah Syndergaard. He's not that old. He's only 30, but he has declined in recent years. Like the strikeout percentage, which was in the high 20s in his early career. Last year, 16.8. I want to check his velo this year. <clears throat> Excuse me, guys. I still am a little bit sick. Uh, check out his velo and also, like, you know, drastically down over the years. 97, 98 in his first couple seasons, down to 97.7. 2021, it was 94.7. This year, 93.8 was his average fastball. His slider used to touch over 90. It was averaging 92, 92, 91. This year, 85. The speed has really gone down. Everything, even the curveball from 82, 84 down to 76. The changeup, you know, it's about the same, I guess. But he is not the guy that he once was. And Thor is no longer Thor. He is just... I don't know. He is a very average starting pitcher at this point, and I don't think that the Dodgers really wanted this outcome. I think this is kind of a shit. We have nobody left to go for. We can go for him, and you know he'll fill he'll fill some kind of hole for us. He'll be the fourth, fifth starter on the team. I think Dustin May should probably be ahead of him in the pecking order. But it's I don't know. I'm very unimpressed. I think that this is it's okay. Now the Dodgers do have a history of being able to turn players around. Like a lot of different franchises, they can you know they can fix things. We saw it with Tyler Anderson. We saw it with Andrew Heaney. Very similarly to what we've seen uh, San Francisco do with their pitchers, we've seen it as well with the Dodgers. 
I don't know that I'm going to be buying that one, particularly with Syndergaard. Maybe they can make him a little bit better. Maybe they can tinker with certain things. Maybe the velo goes up a little bit, but I'm I'm not expecting it. That's total conjecture. Where he's being drafted at 377, that feels about right. You know, you don't have to invest too much. You get some depth there in a DC. He's not somebody that you're going to want to start too regularly. If there's a great matchup, sure. But week in and week out, he's not somebody I'd want to be starting. I just don't feel that great about this move. When I saw it, I, you know, I shrugged. I just thought it was kind of disappointing, especially for Dodgers fans. I mean, they were probably hoping for someone a little bit better. Maybe they were in on Bassett. I don't know what goes on behind the scenes. Maybe they lost out on Bassett. Maybe they realized Rodon is not going to want to come. And, you know, they had to fill a spot in the rotation, so they went with Syndergaard. He's not the worst pitcher in the world. He's just declined quite a bit over the last couple of years. And I don't expect it to get that much rosier. Maybe we see the Dodgers fix something or other. But I'm not really, really expecting too much out of him for this coming season. I just want to quickly go check out Twitter and refresh because the way that these shows have been going, uh, there have been a lot of trades that have happened while we have been recording. Now, there was one that happened or, you know, just right after we recorded kind of thing, or it happened while we were recording and I didn't notice it, hit the pause, opened up Twitter, and then, you know, missed out on it, had to wait for the next day. I think we're pretty much caught up. Owen Miller was also traded today. Uh, He went to the Brewers in exchange for a player to be named later or cash. I've always thought that when a player gets traded for a player to be named later, they must think like, wow, like no one, no one wants me kind of thing. I mean, someone wants you obviously, but it's got to feel kind of disheartening a little bit. I think when for a player anyway, to be traded for a player to be named later, it just feels, eh, I don't know. feels kind of icky about it. If I was the player, I, I mean, someone wants you, but, they don't want to give up anything for you right now. They'll figure it out later. It's like, eh, okay. Uh, Owen Miller, what he is, is okay. Uh, I don't think that we're going to see him start here. Maybe he starts at second base, actually. Uh, let me take a look at his game distribution from last season. I don't. I think he was playing first and second. Uh, let's see. Mostly first base. He played 25 times at second base, a couple times at third. I guess they could start him at second instead of Terang, Bryce Terang who I don't know that much about. Uh, let's see. I'm not the biggest prospect guy, so forgive me when we come across a prospect and I quickly jump over to Fangrass. Uh, very good walk rate, you know, good power-speed mix. Maybe they do want to give him a shot. You know, he's progressed through the minors, not rapidly, but in 2021, uh, he was in A and he finished the year, well, he played all of this year in AAA. Uh, 13 homers, 34 steals, 286, striking out less than 20% of the time, walking almost 11% of the time. Uh, 108 WRC plus. Maybe they want to give him a start. I think it would probably make more sense than giving it to um, than giving it to Owen Miller. I don't know that he's going to move the needle so much. Probably more of a depth piece. Maybe they want him to be. I don't know. He's not going to DH because they got Winker plus Contreras will DH sometimes. Probably more of a depth move. Maybe he starts at second base. Now I wouldn't be too interested in drafting Owen Miller. I've had no idea where he's going in these early drafts. Honestly, let's take a look at Owen Miller. He was somebody last year who was pretty exciting. Uh, early in the season, he was somebody that a lot of people were investing in, but he he felt well, not even investing in picking up you know first week or so of the season, two weeks because he he really got hot. Now this season, uh, his ADP is six ninety. I don't think that there's any need to be drafting him. I guess in a DC you'd be fine with taking him as one of your last few picks, but I don't think we have much of a guarantee of playing time here. I think he's likely more of a depth piece. This lineup looks okay. Um, I don't think there's really a natural spot for him to be slotted into, though. Maybe. I don't know how how big they are on Tyrone Taylor. Maybe they want to put in Winker in the outfield and then, you know, use that that DH spot 
to rotate between Miller and maybe you get, you know, some days with Keston Hura. I'm not sure what the plan is, but I don't think that Owen Miller is somebody that I'm really going to be too, too interested uh, in drafting outside of a very, very deep format. He would be like last couple of rounds of a DC, not somebody I'd be interested in before that. Now that's it for the moves, really. There's a couple of pieces of, I mean, JP Fire and signed with the Dodgers, but I don't think that there's too much really to to talk about there. I don't think he's going to have too much of a role, just a, a depth piece in the pen. Uh, he only threw 24 innings this last year. And they're very good innings. He didn't give up a run. Uh, I don't know if we can expect that to carry over. He had a good FIP, 167. But, you know, we're talking about such a small sample size for a reliever. No no fantasy relevance there. One piece of news I do want to touch on before I let you guys go, and this will be a slightly shorter pod, I guess. Well, it's been half an hour. I guess it's not that short. Uh, Johnny Cueto, rumored to possibly be coming to Toronto as the fifth starter in the rotation. I think that would be a pretty interesting move for Toronto. It's just depth, right? Toronto has struggled with starting pitching depth tremendously throughout my entire lifetime we're talking uh, you know going back to the you know late 90s early 2000s the Jays have always from my memory struggled with keeping their their well first of all keeping the starters healthy and then having you know serviceable replacements to come in and make spot starts it's always bullshit from AAA or picking up somebody on waivers or somebody from the pen you know stretching them out a little bit and they get rocked around not not my cup of tea uh, I think that this is more so a, you know, maybe slot him in the fifth spot, put Kikuchi into the bullpen, and then you have him kind of work as a occasional starter. He gets stretched out extra here and there maybe, and, you know, he fills in for an injury. I, I, I like this the thought of this move. Uh, it hasn't happened yet, obviously, but I like the idea of it. If he's somebody who can just provide a little bit of depth for the Blue Jays, then I, I would be totally happy not really in drafting him. This is more like real-life analysis. I think that would be a really good move for them because of the way their pitchers get injured. Can't really rely on Mitch White or, you know, really, you say Kikuchi, at all next season. I mean, there's there's hope that they can turn it around a little bit, but you can't go into the year with those guys in the rotation. Currently, Kikuchi listed as the fifth starter. Uh, Mitch White listed as a long reliever. I would like to see Kikuchi probably in that bullpen, and then probably Mitch White. Probably the best place for him is AAA, if we're being honest with ourselves. I don't think that he's really warranted a major league roster spot to this point. I think he's more of a depth guy that should be brought up if somebody else gets injured. And Johnny Cueto, I would be totally fine with him taking that fifth spot in the rotation. Like This year, he was pretty lucky. You know, He was not striking out anybody. His strikeout rate was 15.7%, but he, you know, not a lot of walks. Uh, he kept runners off base for the most part. Uh, where was his whip now? Uh, it's hiding from me here. The whip is hiding. Sometimes stats like to hide from you over on Fangraphs. 1.23 was his whip. Not too bad. It's not not great, but it's right in line with his career average. Was he a bit lucky last year? Sure. You know, the indicators are a bit higher, but nothing crazy. Uh, overall, I, I think it would be a pretty good move for the Jays to look into signing uh, Johnny Cueto. It won't be expensive. It would be a one-year deal, almost guaranteed. Well, maybe it'd be a two-year deal with an opt-out kind of thing. Uh, but I think it'd be a smart move, and I don't know that they're going to do it or not, but it'd be a hell of a lot better than going into the year with Yusei Kikuchi as your number five starter, because that dude sucks. But I will leave you guys there. Thank you so much for continuing to check out the pod here in the offseason. We are almost at 200 episodes. On Friday, it'll be episode 200. I have absolutely nothing special planned for you guys. There's no special guests or anything. I know. I, I was thinking about it, <clears throat> and I didn't really realize until, like, Monday. It was like, oh, shit, like, it's we're at 195. By, by Friday, we're going to need to have uh, – we're going to have our 200th episode. Uh, there won't be any special guests as far as I 
<clears throat> know at the moment unless I'm able to pull a rabbit out of the hat here. Maybe get somebody last minute for Friday's show, but it'll just be us or me solo. Uh, but yeah, I really appreciate you guys who have continued to check out the pod, who have been here with me the entire way. I'm sure there are a few of you who have been here since day one. And to those of you, I, I really, truly appreciate it. You guys can show that by going on iTunes, by going on Spotify, hitting the five-star button, or telling us what you think of the show in general in the comments, if there's something you'd like to see improved upon, if there are certain people you want to see brought on the show as guests, whatever, uh, that'd be probably more for a DM on Twitter, but I'm, I'm open to any any kind of feedback you guys have. At JoeOrico99, at EthosFantasyBB, and SportsEthos.com, as course, of course. Uh, those are the places where you can find all of our work, specifically all the baseball, fantasy baseball stuff at Ethos Fantasy BB. Got Michael Fisher working on an article currently. It should be players who are affected by the shift last week, or maybe it was a week and a half ago now. Uh, his article was talking, his debut article for the website was talking about all the shift changes, all not just the shift changes, all the rule changes, including the shift, the bigger bases, and the pitch clock and everything else and how that will affect fantasy baseball. His follow-up will actually look at players who are affected by that. You can find that at sportsethos.com, of course. And one more time, at Ethos Fantasy BB. Guys, enjoy your drafts. Enjoy your night of sports, relaxation, whatever it is you're doing. And we'll see you again tomorrow. Cheers, everybody.